But I think surrounding yourself with people that are living that life that you want to live and doing the things that you want to do, that's what helps make a successful marriage, a successful partnership in your marriage, and success in life in general. I'm your host, Rob Cook, and this is Contenders Wanted, the show where we believe incredible success doesn't have to come at the expense of your family, your faith, or anything else that makes life worth living. Too many success stories nowadays celebrate people who either sacrificed these things for their own success or became successful before realizing the importance of them. Our mission is to show the world you can have both incredible success and the things that make your goals worth reaching for. We know it's possible because we've seen it in our own lives and the lives of our guests. So if you're ready to go from contender to champion, then join us where contenders are always wanted. What is it that you think is holding you back from your dreams? Is it that you don't make enough money? Or maybe you think that if you had the right connections, you could really make it happen. Or maybe if you didn't have that health challenge that you've been fighting for a while. Or maybe you came from a messed up home or made some mistakes when you were younger. Something from your past that's holding you back now. Or maybe you just see how far you have to go and it just feels like too much to even get going. Either way, you know what's funny about all those things? They're all just in your head. Chances are you could change your life right now if you were ready and willing to really change. It could happen in a single moment. Well, our guest today is living proof that that can happen to anyone because that's exactly what happened to him. Eric Allen was raised in a broken home, battled addictions, was jailed at 18, bankrupt at 21, only then to turn everything around in an instant. Now, he's 16 years sober, has a beautiful wife, two kids, he's a podcaster, a speaker, and now is helping up-and-coming MMA fighters and entrepreneurs get known and noticed online. On our episode today, Eric and I talk through some of the really tough family circumstances he had as a kid that included some intense domestic abuse and how that led him to making some bad decisions in his early adult life. We then talk about the pivotal moments for him that took him from a downward spiral path to a complete turnaround, thanks to the influence of God. Then we talk about the specific things Eric has done to overcome what could have been barriers to his success and how you can do the same exact things to supercharge your own path to your vision for your future. And lastly, he lays out some specific keys to success in his life and breaks down his powerful morning routine that we could all learn from in all these little implementation. For Eric's full bio, be sure to check out our show notes on your podcast player or on our website at contenderswanted.com. And with that, let's jump right in. Eric Allen, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, man. It's such an honor to be here, Rob. Appreciate it. Well, I am excited to have you on. Uh, for listeners of the show, Eric was came highly recommended from another guest of our show. And when I did my research for him, honestly, his story is incredible. And so I can understand why people would recommend him on the show. Um, but before we jump into that, Eric, why don't you take a moment, introduce yourself, tell listeners who you are and what it is that you do. Yeah, my name is Eric Allen and I love doing podcasting. I'm fascinated with people's stories. So I have two podcasts. The top rated MMA show comes, er, comes out every Saturday and the Eric Allen show comes out every Friday. And Eric Allen shows where I talk with entrepreneurs, world changers, and success minded people. Top rated MMA is where I talk with up and coming MMA fighters from around the world. Started doing voiceovers this year, which is awesome. Started doing brand and product videos about a year and a half ago. So I do a lot of that for brands. They send me their products. So I'm going to do a video box opening, something like that. And so, yeah, that's what I do. I love it. 
Nice. Very nice. And now we'll, we'll unpack kind of how you got into different areas here in the yeah. course of our conversation. Um, but uh, perhaps why don't we why don't we back it up even more? Your sure. background and the story behind you and what you do today is honestly incredible. Um, Thank you. So perhaps can you give readers, uh, listeners, the Reader's Digest version of your yeah. background? You got it, man. Yeah, I mean, I grew up in a typical household. You know, went to Sunday school, played little league. Uh, you know, my parents got divorced when I was eleven years old. I'd never heard the word divorce until that moment. And it was really wow. kind of a big shocker to me. I was like, what? What is this? What, what does that mean? You know, my mom got together with a guy shortly after that was uh, very physically abusive very quickly. So I would think that my mom would want to leave him, but she didn't. And so I remember, you know, seeing him beat her up all the time. Cops would come, no charges were ever pressed, and then they would leave and it would just be right back to the same thing. And then they did the smart thing. They got pregnant and they decided to, to move us from Eastern Washington, where I grew up down there in Kennewick, Washington, to small town, Montana, Stevensville, Montana, population 1,200 people, five acres. They rented this house on that property. It's beautiful property, ponds right next to the Bitterroot River. So I could go out, you know, and hang out and shoot, you know, birds with a BB gun and stuff like that. Problem was the house had three bedrooms. So it was one for them. One for my brother, who was just a couple months old at the time, and then one for my sister. And they literally said, Eric, you get to live in the garage. And I had this plastic tarp at the end of my bed that separated my bed from the truck that pulled in and the firewood for the fireplace, you know. And I did have the fireplace on my half of the garage. So it kind of kept me warm through most nights in the middle of the winter in Montana. But then once that went out around midnight, it was really cold. I remember like, you know, 10 layers of blankets yeah. on trying to stay warm, stuff like that. And, you know, anyways, ended up brush my teeth one night mom's boyfriend comes home arguing no big deal no big difference than any other night but i felt in my heart that god was saying man you got to take this guy out you gotta you gotta really get this guy off your mom and so i came around the corner as i looked down the hall and i grabbed a cast iron pan and i swung as hard as i could on the back of his head and i split his head open and he turned around and he said what then as he did that he took another uh, you know he's like you know i took another swing and split his forehead open and so still didn't knock him out. He was so drunk. He was standing over me yelling. My mom jumps up, lands like six punch in a row, blood hits the wall. You know, cops come take him for the jail, uh, take him to jail for the night. And then he's basically, you know, let go because my mom doesn't press charges. I got kicked out of the house at that point and it led me on this path of 10 years of destruction for the rest of my life. It was pretty crazy. Yeah. And I've heard your story a couple of different times on other podcasts I listened yeah. to in preparation for this. And that really was a, an incredible turning point for you. Um, and yeah. like you said, led down this crazy path. Mm. But you had a turning point again. Yeah. So God reached out to you. Um, yeah. What was that turning point? Because I think all of us can relate. That all of us have crap that we go through in our lives sure. to some extent. Maybe not yep. what you've had to go through. Yeah. But we all have our crap, right? Yep. But then at some point in our lives, things change. Mm -hmm for those of us that desire a little bit better for our lives. And what was that turning point for you? For me, I was lost. I was depressed. You know, I was working at Starbucks at night and this, you know, guy who would get off work, I'd go get a six pack of beer and go to my ghetto apartment and, and, you know, drink myself to sleep every night. The turning point was really when this girl walked into the Starbucks one night and doesn't drink coffee and said, Hey, we've got this cool college age event down at our church. Would you be interested in going? 
and I'm depressed and I have no friends and I'm lonely and she's good looking. Absolutely. Yep. I'll go. When, when, when is it? <laughs> Any young guy would be like, yes, let's do it. <laughs> yeah. So like, I just wanted to go like, I think I was desperate for friendship and, and, you know, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a server type mentality. So I want to go and help out. And so it was a youth night and go help tear down and set up and things like that. And I think God planted a seed in that moment where I ended up like going there and there was all these guys that I knew from the other side of the state. So I had moved to Seattle, Washington. This is about four hours from where I grew up. And so it was like, hey, man, I haven't seen you in 10 years. I haven't seen you in five years. Just this weird kind of connection. And about a month later, it was Easter 2004. I was managing a band. We were out partying. I woke up Easter morning, surrounded by probably 15 guys. And and I felt God in that moment say, man, you're going down this path that's going to end your life quickly. You've got to make some changes. And so I, in that moment, in my buddy's basement, about five o'clock in the morning, I gave my life to Christ. I quit cold turkey, drugs, drinking cigarettes, everything in that moment. And I called that girl up and I got her voicemail. I said, hey, thanks for you know inviting me to that church event. Hopefully I'll see you at the store. Happy Easter. A month later, we were dating. A year later, we're married. And now she's my wife of almost 17 years. Wow. That story of that just switch. Yeah. You just flip it. Um. I think it has incredible power to create hope for those of those that are stuck in those yep. types of situations. Yeah. Hey, your life can change on a dime. Yes. Uh, you, you do not have to be stuck forever in situations that you hate in a life that you don't want to live. That's, mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be that way. But I also know that even when we decide to change and we make a change, there's likely still ramifications that we're having to deal with down the road. So I guess a question I'd love to ask you is, do you have any lingering things that you and your wife or you and yourself personally have had to work through as a result of either that early childhood trauma or those decisions you made during that decade, even though you've made the decision and you have quit cold turkey and you are sober, all those other things you've talked about. Yeah. Do you feel like there are still lingering things that you all you have to deal with and work through? Yeah, I mean, definitely. There's, you know, my wife and I, we both came from broken families, broken homes. And we so we brought a lot of junk in our marriage. You know, we, mm-hmm. we knew exactly what we didn't want in our marriage, but then we brought that junk into the marriage or some of that junk in our marriage too. So we had to kind of work through that. You know, the first five years, it was just us. We just wanted to get to know each other. We went down and, you know, did mission trips and stuff like that. But in regards to like things that I'm still working through is, I have a defensive mentality sometimes, you know, where I was always blamed for things as a kid. And so if something is wrong in the house or I did something like, you know, I'm quick to, you know, I have to try to catch myself sometimes because I'm quick to kind of defend myself, you know, as, as the man. And, you know, I want to defend myself from this and I I not take blame, you know, and things like that. You know, Mm -hmm. and also my wife was like the most perfect person that I could have ever met. And she has so much grace and mercy on me, Mm -hmm. but I did not, I couldn't keep a relationship. I had a lot of partners, you know, things like that, like throughout my like 10 years of just craziness. And that mm-hmm. caused a lot of, of riff in our marriage too. We really had to work through that, you know, and go to, we went to premarital counseling and things like that. And, and we still kind of work through that even today being 17 years married, you know, like we, we still have to talk about that stuff. And as much as it sucks to talk about it, it's best to talk about that and communicate through that. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I know in, in my own life, I consider my marriage to my wife one of like the best decisions I ever made in my entire life. And yeah. she is wonderful and incredible on so many levels that I could never describe. But to your point, I mean, we got to work through stuff all the time too. We each yeah. bring our own nuances and uh, perceptions and 
habits and ideas about what life is like or what marriage is like or what a healthy relationship looks like that need to be worked through together. And I think it's a, it's a normal process, right? Yeah. Some of us, there's a little extra you got to carry, you bring sure. in. <laughs> yeah. Some of us, there, there's less. So yep. I guess one question I'd love to ask then yeah. is, um, what tools have you found most helpful in helping you kind of work through some of those things and to work either individually or together as a couple? You have to surround yourself with the people that are living the life that you want to live. So when I first came in life to Christ, without even thinking about like interviewing, I kind of was interviewing people, right? Okay. So I started like finding men in the church that had successful marriages, successful relationships with Christ, successful businesses. And mm -hmm. I started saying, hey, I want to take you out to coffee. I just want to like chat with you. Like, how did you make that transition? How did you come to know the Lord? What are you doing successfully to, you know, in your marriage that is making your marriage what it is, you know? And so I did that as a solo person, but my wife and I also got into a lot of married small groups. And so we were connecting with mm -hmm. other couples okay. that have been married for 15, 10, 25 years longer than we have. And it was just cool to like hear their struggles, hear what they went through. And it was like, okay, this is what you should do, or this is what we did, what worked for us. Maybe you need to tweak it for yourself. But I think surrounding yourself with people that are living that life that you want to live and doing the things that you want to do, that's what helps make a successful marriage, a successful partnership in your marriage and success in life in general. Yeah. I know for myself personally, I've seen this principle and I know from my research that you live this principle in a lot of different ways. This idea yeah. of surrounding yourself with people who are maybe one step ahead of you or a little bit far, just farther down the path than you. Not even necessarily better, but just they're just farther along yes. and kind of getting that perspective. And I've heard you in the past say that you got this idea originally from Ed Milet, who That's for true. listeners of the show would know that I, I'm also a big Ed Milet fan. I, I love his stuff <laughs> that he puts out. Yeah. Um, but I'd love to kind of know how did you come across Ed or how did you come across kind of these, these philosophies initially? 100% by chance. I was okay. watching a Tony Robbins video online and... Ed Milet came up on one of those like, hey, check out this next video. And I was like, yeah, oh, up next on YouTube or something. Exactly. And so I clicked on it and it was Ed Milet. And I don't remember who the first interview was that I watched him with. I think it was like Jesse Setzler or Setzler, however you say his name. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it was him, but I'm not sure. Uh, but then it turned into like, oh my gosh, like the things that Ed was saying was like hooking me. I felt like he was talking right to me and his guests were connected with me. So I started like binge watching all of his shows, man. Every video he ever put out on YouTube, I've watched, you know, like I was like, I want to know what this guy's about. I want to understand his morals, his philosophies. How did he get to where he's at? Yeah. And so that's how I came across Ed and Ed, like he has this book called the Max Out Channel, or excuse me, it's called Max Out. You can get it for free. You just have to Google Max Out by Ed Milet free book. Mm -hmm. And I think you pay seven bucks for shipping. Yeah, I've gotten like the book as well, doing the exact same thing. Um, and it's such a great book. There's so many good stuff. And you probably know the philosophies of cold showers and, you know, having splitting the 24 hours and like basically four days is what he calls it, you know? Mm -hmm. And so that's how I came across Ed. And Ed has been such a huge impact on myself that that's really what spurred the idea of the Eric Allen show that I have. Okay. And then Ed actually was instrumental in the kind of getting the Eric Allen show really up and going, wasn't he? Absolutely. Yeah. So 2018, after I came across Ed, he did a challenge that year 
uh, via Instagram to his 1 million followers at the time said, Hey, submit a one minute video via your stories of what drives you, what passion, you know, what, what's your passion? Why do you want to be successful in life? And so I had no idea what I was doing. I just submitted a video via stories. And about two months later, I was announced as Ed Milet's max out challenge winner. And it was me and another camp called camp, or excuse me, another winner called camp agape. We were the only two winners to ever get that award. So we won, uh, I won a phone call and I think they did as well. But my phone call with Ed was supposed to be 20 minutes. We ended up going 30 minutes. I was able to record that. And then I released the highlights of that as an episode of one of my podcasts, which was episode 12. And prior to him, I had Sean Whelan on. So I kind of had this almost start of this really good foundation. And that led to me talking with Bedros Killian and Brad Lee and Tim Story, Eric LeGrand, Jim the Rookie Morris, and and so many other great people. Yeah, it's it's crazy how there sometimes it just takes one moment and one little interaction with you know, one person and all of a sudden so many things can kind of take off from there. <clears throat> you know, it's interesting. We're, we're kind of circling around this idea of sure. raising your internal temperature by surrounding yourself with people that are a little bit ahead of you or a step ahead of you in certain ways. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a limiting belief out there that either I'm not connected enough or I don't live in an area where they have the ability to connect with these types of people. What would you say to someone who has that belief? Stop it. Stop that belief right now. You can do anything from anywhere. Like literally get out of your comfort zone and go do something. I went to low, I go to local networking events here. I don't know anybody. I would just go and say, I want to introduce myself. I'm a podcaster. Hey, how you doing? I want to network. I want to know people. But I live in small town Idaho. Well, I, it's not small anymore because we're being invaded by a bunch of people. But I'm just saying like... Sorry, I, us Californians <laughs> are moving to Idaho. I know that's yeah. true. <laughs> it is true. <laughs> but like, you know, like it's so... It's like, it's cliche, right? Like don't don't have that mentality. You've got to get out of that mentality. If you want to be successful in life, you've got to get into your... Uh, your, your you know, you've got to get uncomfortable. Go do physical like events, networking events, go to Toastmasters events locally, what net, whatever there, right? But virtually start reaching out to people that you want to be connected with. Oh, like yeah. don't just send an email, don't just send a message, a typed up message on a, you know, d- DM to your favorite speaker or whatnot, right? You have to get creative because they get so bombarded with inbox DMs and all the messages and stuff like that. You're just going to be like this little tiny blimp on all these things that come through, unless you're sticking out from the rest of the crowd. And the way that you do that is how I got all the attention of all those guys. I booked 99% of my guests through Instagram Messenger, and I pull out my phone, and I do a 30-second video, no longer than 30 seconds. And I say, introduce myself very quickly, but then I say, hey, this is why, immediately why I'm talking to them. Hey, I want you to come on my podcast because I want to help you promote this book, or I want to help you promote this event that you've got going on. Let's make it happen. Let me know. Boom, send it. That's how I booked 99% of my guests. Yeah. I love this idea of just just get outside yourself. Just do it and do something a little different to be memorable, right? You can't think small, man. If you want to get out of that and you want to be successful in life, whatever it is, whether it's a job or a podcast or a speaker or a book or, you know, if you just want to be known in your community, you can't think small. You've got to think way big and you've got to take action. Yeah. Now, I'd say even if you have paralyzing anxiety and fear of rejection and all these things, start small if you need to, but put, try and push your boundaries even a little bit, right? Like it, it, maybe you can't reach out. You don't feel like you can reach out to an Ed Milet, right? But reach out to, I'm just, 
you, you and I are definitely far below Ed. So let's say, reach out to an Eric Allen. Each, reach out to a Rob Cook. Reach out to anyone who you think is just a little ways ahead of you, just a little bit, but just push yourself. And then the next time, go a little higher and then a little farther every single time. But this idea of getting out there and connecting, I think is so incredibly important. Absolutely. Honestly, yeah. in our in our day and age, especially the post-COVID world, yeah. my goodness, there's no excuses, right? Mm-hmm. We're recording this podcast from hundreds of miles away. We have never met in person, ever. And yet, I feel like I know you really well. I've listened to a bunch of podcasts, and we, we've had a couple <laughs> different conversations at this point. And, you know, and yeah. that is the way in which you can make connections, and you can, can grow that network. You can... M- Raise your internal temperature a little bit, to borrow that phrase from Ed, right? Yeah. yeah. I think that's that, that's a, a fantastic point. Um, perhaps, what would be your thoughts? I'm just, sorry, I'm just kind of kind of thinking, shooting yeah. from the hip here a little bit. Yeah. For those that maybe have that anxiety or aren't as confident as you are, Eric, to just reach out to these these big people all everywhere, what would you say to help them maybe overcome some of their anxiety or overcome some of the fear that they're feeling? You mean read books on it, like if that's more comfortable for you to read books on how to get out of your comfort zone and 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 how to connect with people, right? Like if you if you're not comfortable going and like putting yourself out there, start with books. Like you said, start small, right? Build up. But here's the thing: think about this. If you reach out to Ed Milet or Tony Robbins or someone local in your town that's a leader, an entrepreneurial, mm-hmm. and they don't get back to you or they say no, what did that do to you? It did nothing. So you keep going and you keep going. Don't let anyone's opinion or judgment or your past affect your future ever. And if you can have that mindset of going into this, what it does not matter what they say or what they don't say, right? If they're just ignoring you, move on. Go find somebody that will be one. It might take you 500 DM videos before you get one person that like you're really clicking with. Do it. Take that one and just excel at it. Yeah, I totally agree. It- in my head, I always think of uh, this phrase that I came across one time in a, a sales book that I was reading for work, and it's they call it the game of numbers, mm. right? Like, d- don't let the the four hundred ninety nine before you dictate whether or not you're going to reach out to that five hundredth, because you never know that five hundredth one could be the one that just changes everything for you. Yeah, but you've got to keep at it. Um, it actually reminds me of another phrase from or another teaching of Ed Milet where he says effectively success comes to those who are willing to stay at the station long enough till the train arrives. Yes. Right? You just got to stay there and keep at it. Don't don't leave the station. Stay there. Success will come. Just no one knows when the train's going to arrive, but just right. stay there. You know, for some it comes immediately and for some it comes 500 times later. But either way, keep at it. Stay at the station. Success will come. You'll get on the success train and take off from there. Yeah. I would highly recommend anybody out there that has anxiety or, or wanting to kind of keep fighting for their dreams and goals. Go get the book, Three Feet from Gold by Dr. Greg Reed. It's an mm, Never read that one. It's such a great book. And I think Sharon, Ele- Sharon Lecter uh, co-wrote that book. She was also the, the co-writer of Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And oh, I had the pleasure okay. of meeting her last week. She's an amazing person, both Greg and her amazing people. That book was life-changing for me. And I, I take those stories that are in there and I tell it to my kid and my daughter. And she's like, oh my gosh, this is a great story. It's so good. It it's just talks about don't quit. You're three feet from gold. Like mm-hmm. keep going until you hit that. It's such a great book. Would highly recommend it. Do you have, do you mind sharing maybe one particular story from the book that could kind of highlight it, the totally. principles it teaches and how it's helped you? Yeah. I mean, so 
there's a story about a guy, and, I, and I'm, I'm not going to remember their names right now. I, I don't That's remember right. this. But it's, it's during the gold rush era. This guy moves from the East Coast out to California trying to get go find gold. So he goes and p- pays a bunch of money uh, you know, for, for all, these, all this equipment. And he, gets, um, you know, he starts going out there and he digs and he finds one little piece of gold. And so he sends messages back to his family. He's like, I found gold. I need your support. Send me your money. Let's all come out here. Let's get rich. Let's go find gold. So they go out there and they dig a little bit further and they find some more gold and they're like all hyped up. And then like a couple days later, after they start digging, the gold is gone. They can't find any pieces of gold at all. So they give up. They literally see this guy coming by. He's a junk man coming by and they're like, hey, do you want to buy this equipment? We came out here to find gold. Now we're not finding anything. And this guy is like the opportunity of a lifetime. This guy, they're wanting to sell him this equipment for like 200 bucks and him knowing the equipment, it's like $10,000 worth of stuff. Mm-hmm. So he says, yeah, I'll buy that stuff for you. And the family goes home and defeated. Like I didn't find gold. So this junk man gets a hold of this engineer guy and he says, hey, what was their problem? They're out here digging. And he said, here's the problem is gold runs parallel. So what they did was they hit the gold and they went through it. And if they would have turned 90 degrees and went this way or the other direction, they would have had gold for years. And that guy, the junk man, did that exact thing. And he's worth millions and millions and millions of dollars now. Man, I love that story. And that's just a, a, a taste of it. And I'm, I'm assuming that's where the, the title of the book comes from, Three Feet from Gold. Yeah. And it, it, it's so, I mean, I've, I did a really bad job of describing it, but it's such a powerful story because it goes into way more details about it. But I'm sure that first story is what hooked me. And I was like, oh my gosh. I'm like, I was enthralled. Like I was there watching them, like dig the gold and get frustrated. And I was like, oh man, you know? <laughs> yeah. I, well, I'm from here in gold country here in California. Yeah. And so, I mean, I, as a kid, we grew up with countless stories of miners and, right. you know, the hydraulic mining and everything else around here. And so I, I can, I can imagine it perfectly in my mind and just yeah. the, the disheartened family walking away. But I mean, but that is such a great metaphor for life though, right? Yes. Yeah. We, we find a little bit of something that's. Mm-hmm helping us or getting us to the next level. And then all of a sudden when it stops working, we go, oh, crap. We, I don't know, our, our inclination is just, oh, I just got to work harder, work harder, work harder, work harder, work harder. But sometimes the best thing to do is to stand still and go, okay, what went wrong? Right. Maybe bring in some outside help and go, okay, what direction should I go here? I know yes. this works, but it's not working anymore the way I thought it would. Yeah. You know, And then taking that feedback and then going the direction they say, and it, it can lead to gold forever. Yeah, we have to learn to adapt and, and pivot. Yeah, I think it, it, to be successful in anything. Oh yeah, no, we've we, I've had a couple of different guests come on and talk about this. The importance of being able to pivot, right? Mm-hmm. We all have to pivot in one way or another in our lives. Yeah, yeah. great thing, <laughs> um, Eric. I've also heard people uh, praise you for your morning routines um, yes. a couple of different times, and you got a pretty set morning routine. Would you mind maybe sharing with listeners the? your morning routine because here on our show we talk a lot about routine and the habits that we input into our lives because i believe that our habits really control our destiny down the road and so if we can examine the habits of other people and correlate that to their own successes that can then help us figure out which ones we need to install in our own lives so what what is your daily routine or your daily morning habits look like for you yeah i think you know it, it is it's 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 one you have to be consistent with it but mm-hmm. uh, my my morning routine is I wake up at 4 a.m. six days a week, and I still work a full job full time job. So I get up at four. As soon as I open my eyes, though, here's what I do: is I 
go, man, God, thank you so much. I was able to open my eyes today and get to see my family and make an impact on somebody today. And I jump out of bed and I make my bed. There's two wins in 15 seconds, man. It's going to be an awesome day. So that's the very first start of my day is immediately my mind goes there, man, I get another day, jump in the shower. I get upstairs and I took a, the, the idea of a vision board and I created a vision wall inside my office. And so the entire wall of one side of my office is quotes. It's pictures of my family. It's pictures of my goals. And I come into the office and I turn on some worship music. And then I go back and I review everything on that wall. The quote, I talk to the picture of my family. I talk to my, you know, my wife, that picture of my wife. I talk to that picture of the property that I want. And I go through every single one of those quotes and I say, I am statements, not I will be a millionaire or I will have that property. I am a millionaire and I will, or, and I am the proud owner of this 20 acres, you know, with my dream house already on there. So I just envision that every single morning. And then I go through a bunch of affirmations that I wrote down. You know, my relationship with my, my wife, and my kids is continuing to grow and continue to be better. You know, these are things that I'm doing. I am a full-time entrepreneur and this is how I'm getting paid, you know, and I cover all of that. And it takes me a good, you know, eight minutes probably to go through all of that. And then I sit down at my desk and I just close my eyes and I say, Lord, thank you so much for this. And I start going through things that I'm grateful for, you know, thank you that I get to live. Thank you, you know, for my wife, and my kids and for providing for me. It's so important to, for me personally, to give my, you know, my thoughts and prayers to the Lord every single morning and just be thankful for it. And I, yeah, there's some things that I ask, but I know that he's ultimately in control. And if I keep going and fighting towards my goal, he's just going to continue to open those doors. But what's really important to me is just to write down or, I mean, uh, speak out loud and review those things that I truly am grateful for. And that really helps set the tone for the entire day. And I have a personal goal to make sure that one person that I talk to throughout the day, whether that's virtually in person, to make sure that I put a smile on their face. Well, you're already doing that over here for me. So <laughs> thank you, Eric. Yeah. Um, I love that. I love each of those. I think you, that's a very unique way in which you do your vision board. I, I've heard a, a lot of different people talk about vision boards in the past, um, and they're a powerful tool. I've got my own version of a vision yeah. board as well. Uh, it sits right there at my desk next to me at work. Uh, but I'll admit, I don't like look at it every day and go, I am whatever I have yeah. or I do whatever. That's a, that's a great addition um, to add for just myself personally. Um, and then I love this idea of starting your day with a gratitude prayer, mm. just pure gratitude, yeah. not asking for anything. Yeah. Um, that is a powerful, powerful tool. I have my own version of a gratitude activity that I do in the mornings, most mornings. Um, but I'll admit, I think I might adopt yours <laughs> because I like yours a little better. Um, when I was a kid, we did a little exercise at a, a like a youth camp that I went to, um, where uh, the leader gave me like a, a lifesaver, you know, the hard candy lifesavers, yeah, one, and said, "Okay, I want you to put this in your mouth. I want you to go find a secluded spot and pray, and you have to give gratitude until that lifesaver is gone." <laughs> That's kid, a great. It's so good, though. Oh, so good. I remember as a kid, I I did it for like I, mean, I was going for like thirty seconds. So I'm like, oh yeah. Oh crap! I gotta keep going. I haven't. <laughs> there's like nothing left on this. I was like tempted to bite it and start like turn, trying to chew it, and get rid of it. Right. Right. Yeah. Of course. Like who wouldn't? Right. But it did teach me the power of gratitude because once I actually really sat there and really dug deeper than just the surface level gratitude, and I had to really start thinking about what are the things that I really am grateful for. Totally changes your mindset. So I think that's yeah. a powerful, powerful habit every day to sit down there for a few minutes 
and just force yourself to really be grateful. Uh, that's, yeah. that's incredible. How yeah. have you seen that those habits impact and change your life as you, as you began to implement them and put them in your life? Massively. It, it, you know what? I, I kind of did this ho-hum morning environment or morning routine for the last couple of years where I've always woke up at 4 a.m., but I didn't have like this set routine where I was doing, you know, I'd get up and I'd get my coffee and then kind of do my own thing. And But mm-hmm. now, like in 2021, I, at the end of 2020, I said, this year for me, my word is growth. I want to grow my marriage. I want to grow my relationship with Christ. I want to grow my business, my finances, successes, networking, everything. And so once I've had that in my mind, what I put on my vision board at the beginning of this year, uh, I put prosperity camp on there. That was one of those events where I said, I will be at, or I am attending uh, prosperity camp. And I did that in earlier this year. And I just went last week to prosperity camp and I, I didn't have the finances to go, but I knew that I was going to go and I did whatever it took to get there. And so I, that board has come true for me in that sense, but so many other things as well. So um, absolutely, it's been it's been massive for me to to visualize that stuff and continue to update my goals and things. So when did you first realize that this was going to be important, or why? When did you begin to implement a a routine to any extent? I guess, or why did you start waking up at four a.m.? You know, what was the impetus behind beginning these different things in your life? One, I, I, for me, it's so important to get up early because I'm not eating into family time. I, because I do work that full-time job, I can work from 4 a.m. to 6.30 in the morning on me, personal development, growth in my relationship with Christ and, and mindset and working on emails and editing shows and reaching out to guests. That's my time, right? And then I get up and I make my kids breakfast and I make my kids lunch. And then I start my full-time job at eight o'clock. And so eight to five, I am dedicated to my full-time job at this time. And then at five o'clock, I shut everything down and I've already taken care of the stuff that I got to do during the day. And I might have to respond to a couple of emails later on at the end of the day, but really at five o'clock, that's when I shut everything down and it's family time. I really try to make sure that anything after five is really just family oriented. And so, yeah, that that's really important to me. And in regards to like when I started doing this for him, I'd ne- I used to stay up till three, four o'clock in the morning. And then when I was in my early twenties, I got a job at Starbucks and they're like, Hey, you get to, you're the new guy. So you get to open the store at 4 a.m. I had to get up at 3.30 mm-hmm. and it was brutal for me to make that transition. I bet. But what made me decide to stick to it was I read a book called The Perfect Day Formula by Craig Ballantyne. And that book talks about what you should do the night before that helps set your day. And so now what I do every night before I leave my office, every day before I leave my office, I have a post-it and I write down the 10 things that I need to get done first thing in the morning. Because what people tend to do is they get up in the morning, they don't have this to-do list ready to go and they go, okay, what am I supposed to do today? I'm supposed to do this. And then they get distracted with Facebook and Instagram and YouTube and all the stupid stuff that's going to take you away from your goal. But at night, what I figured out is before I go to bed, before I leave the office, I have this post of 10 things I have to do when I get up in the morning, edit this show, edit this show, record this, record this, email this, respond to that. So I get up in the morning, as soon as I'm done with my prayer, boom, I've got my list. I just go right down it. And that helps me set that tone. I love that. That's a great idea. I have something that I use for work that's similar to that, but I had never thought to do that for you know your outside side hustles because I'm just like you. I'm a podcaster. Yeah. I love doing this, but I got a full-time job as well. Now I love my day job as well, but it requires work and it requires some balance. It requires some extra effort to put in the time to do everything. It does. Um, and so I love this idea of 
the day before writing down all the things you got to do for the podcast or for you, whatever your side hustle might be. Maybe you're starting a side business. Maybe you're doing whatever, but figured out what are those two or three things that are most important for me to do tomorrow to move the needle. Love yep. that. I think that's yep. a that's a fantastic idea. Thank you. And I love this idea that you per- you purposely created your life and scheduled it such that you make time for your family. Yes. Um, I think too often life and work bleed together too much. Mm-hmm. We allow what eventually ends up happening is we allow our work to kind of consume our life to the point where their family feels like you you know your attention's not there because your head is in the emails from your boss or you're thinking about the next post that you put out to grow your, your following for your podcast or whatever it might be. Right. Right. Um, and if you don't create that space, create the boundaries, honestly, to kind of hold back the rest of life and give your family your, your whole attention, it starts to kind of erode that relationship over time. So that's, that's really admirable that you do that. I think Thank it's you. wonderful. Yeah. I think that is a, a practice that I personally have tried to implement. Um, and I've got my own version of it, but it, it's, it's just those things that I think all of us are trying every day to get a little bit better at and to constantly try and create those boundaries and protect that time for our family. Cause if we don't, in my head, the relationships just begin to erode. Immediately. Totally. Absolutely. It does. Mm-hmm. All right, Eric, y- you, one of the things that I really admired about you as I was doing my research and as I was kind of getting to know you through our phone conversations is that you have spoken often about this idea of legacy, legacy that you and your wife are working on creating. And for those of us here at Contenders Wanted and those who followed me on social media know that legacy for me is also huge. I think it's it's honestly something everyone should be thinking about more often, but I'd love to get your thoughts on legacy. What does legacy mean to you? And what is the legacy that you are trying to create and that you and your wife are trying to create? I think what legacy means to me is this long lasting impression on your family's generations. So that maybe that you can inspire future generations of maybe your great, great grandkids uh, to follow life, follow their dreams or, you know, whatever it is for you, right? For me, it was my grandparents that were really just loving on me. My grandfather, uh, my dad's dad, I remember sitting on the couch and watching baseball with him, the Chicago Cubs, Atlanta Braves. And it was like, we always had this time, just me and him. He would sit in his lazy boy and I would like be this young kid and he'd talk about the pitchers and Greg Maddox and all these you know dudes back in the day, right? And then he would always go to a baseball game. He went to every single one of my baseball games all the way up until I was 13. My parents didn't but he did. And my grandma, you know, and so that legacy of him, like just being loving and so in my, my life, because I'm the second oldest of 19 cousins. He chose to go to my Whoa. baseball game, right? So maybe he could have went to anyone else's. Mm-hmm. Maybe he did. I don't know. But for me, I just remember him being at every single game and it was such an impactful, uh, relationship that I had with him and my grandma. And I still am. And, my, and he passed away about 20 years ago, but um, my grandma still alive, 87 years old, still prays every single morning for every great grandkid, great grandkid and kid, which is like 50, 60 plus at this point. And she does it name by name all the way list. And that's a legacy. She told, she tells me all the time, man, I've been praying for you since day one and look where you're at. Look what you're at, you know? And so that's a legacy that I want to pass on. My wife and I, we came from those broken families. If you look at this chart, our grandparents married for 50 plus years, you know, 40 plus years. Our parents, 
married and divorced five, six times each sometimes, you know, now my wife and I, we're changing the things. We're going back to that upper generation, our grandparents' generation of staying together for Mm -hmm. a long time. We're going back where we want to implement prayer. We want to implement business and success and and not business, not, not so much business, but great marriage. Right. And, and, um, and just having a, a love for people, like we just love to love on people. We have respect for this country. We have respect for, you know, those that put their lives on, on their, on literally, you know, on my brains are on a blank here, but put their life on the line every day for, you know, armed services, police officers, EMTs, those guys, we love like saying thank you to those guys. And so the legacy that we want to live is just love on people, love Christ and have a great marriage. And this is how you do that. And we want this for generations to come. Like we want to be able to guide my kids, my great grandkids all the way down as far as we can. We want to make an impact for future generations of the Allen tribe. Love that. And how does your legacy then drive your day-to-day actions? So much, man. You know, in, in my daily actions is part of my vision board is I have this thing on my wall that it's a cartoon character, but for me, it means so much. But people laugh at it when they walk in here, but it says, if, if I can't pee off my front porch, my neighbors are too close. And I get like, <laughs> like for me, like, that's what I want. I want the property. I want where we can have our family comfort business, comfort dinner, you know, hang out anytime. We want to be able to host family on our property. Like, and I want that property to live in our, our family forever. Like I just, like I, I just envision like three, four generations together on this property. And that, that property, that one little tiny cartoon is what drives that for me. I love that. I, I love this idea that what is on your vision board, like a piece of property, right? Someone might look yeah. at that and say, oh, you're just, you're just so focused on money and success and, you know, just having, 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 having yeah. the purpose for the property is what actually drives the desire for the property. Right? Yes. It's for the purpose of the family. It's for the purpose of creating memories. It's for the purpose of all these other things. Yeah. I have similar things on my vision board. My vision board has a picture of a ranch on it yeah. because I want a ranch one day and not because I want a ranch. I want a ranch because I want a space for my family just like that. Mm-hmm. My grandfather, ironically, we're talking about grandfathers here. My grandfather left a very similar legacy as well in our family. Mm-hmm. He built a cabin up in the mountains um, that our family went to. And as a kid, I made so many great memories there and I loved it so much that later as I got older, I said, I want the same thing for my family. I'm going to create a similar space for my family. And that's become the ranch in my mind. Um, and I think having a higher, that higher purpose, having that longer term reason that's behind all those other things in life that you're shooting for makes them so much more powerful in our lives. It helps us get out of bed when it becomes difficult to do the daily things that we need to get to that eventual spot, right? Yep. If you're if your desire for success or your desire for a ranch or property is just I want that piece of property, well that's pretty weak. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Frankly, there's going to be days where it's really cold in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho and you don't want to get out of bed at 4 a.m. or totally. You know, the day before it was a rough day in a certain way and you just want to just kind of hide a little bit more. But when you have the deeper purpose, it gives you the power to get up out of bed. Would you agree? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I've spoken to so many people who 
this is the case. So yeah, it's, it's great to get just another witness that yes, find some deeper meaning, find a deeper purpose behind why you do what you do and it'll fuel you moving yes. forward. Yes. Well, Eric, I, I really enjoyed the conversation. I honestly, we could have gone a million different directions off of different tangents from totally. things we talked about, but even in this eclectic conversation, I feel like there's just been a ton of value here for listeners. Um, but we always end every show with the exact same question. And that is, what does it mean to you to be a contender? You have to be a fighter. And I don't mean physically, but I mean, you have to fight through the mental battles that come in life. You're always going to get rejected. You're always going to get no's, whether you're in a business or you're not, or you're at the store and you're trying to buy something. And you're always going to have these struggles that come through you. You know, you're going to not have enough money for something. You're not going to have enough food or you want to help somebody out, but you can't because you don't have the resources. You know, people are going to pass away that were close to you and that's going to send you down into a, a mental state where, it, yeah, grieve, but then you have to get out of that. And so I think as a contender, you have to be a fighter in life in all areas. And you have to have that vision of like, okay, what is it that I want out of life and how much of an impact can I make on people? And you keep fighting through those. You know, one of the concepts for my, my shows is like, I talk to fighters, like, why do you want to get punched in the face? Right. And I translate that over to entrepreneurship too. Why do you want to get punched in the face? Hopefully not physically, but why do you go through the rejections, the failures and keep going? And we have to do the same thing in life. We're going to get rejected. We're going to get no's. Life's going to suck sometimes. We're going to wake up and we're going to be like, man, this day already sucks. How do you fight through that and keep going? And I just say, man, you have to have that mind, that mindset, that mentality that yes, you'll hit bumps in the road, but you have to keep going no matter what. Nothing can stop you from your dreams. Only your mindset can. Completely agree. Got to have the fighter mentality, period. Yes. Yeah. Love it. Well, Eric. Once again, thank you so much for coming on the show. Before we end, do you want to take a moment and tell listeners how they can find you online or they can uh, get in contact with you? Man, yeah, absolutely. Uh, com is the website. And I do want to say just real quick, thank you so much for having me on your show, man. It's truly an honor. And if people aren't listening to this show, they need to. They need to share this out. You're a great host, very professional. And I love the free flow and the questions you bring. So people need to be checking that out. Uh, thank you. I really appreciate that. Absolutely. EricAllenMedia.com is a website. I'm big on Instagram. So Eric G. Allen, it's E-R-I-K G. Allen. I respond to every comment and every DM come my way. If you have questions, feel free to shoot me a message there. But I always love connecting and networking with amazing people. Go out there, keep changing the world. All right. Well, Eric, thank you again. We'll definitely leave links to all these things in the show notes, plus everything else that we've talked about in the show. Thank you so much. Really appreciate thank it. Thank you. All right, contenders, that's a wrap on episode 34 this week. Thanks so much for joining us. As I reflected on this episode with Eric, the thing that kept sticking out to me was just some of the fantastic personal development advice that Eric gave. Specifically, two things. Number one, I loved his ideas around surrounding yourself with the right people. And number two, this idea of casting a vision. Surrounding yourself with the right people so it can help raise your internal temperature, you know, help lift you up is so important. In fact, Jim Rohn, one of the most iconic inspirational speakers of all time, has said, you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. So first off, thank you for spending some of your time with me today here at Contenders Wanted. But also at the same time, review who it is that you spend your time with and see if those are the type of people that you should be around. And then this second one is the idea of the vision board. I just love the idea of vision casting and the vision board. That's something that I've got to get a lot better at because I might have 
goals and plans for the future, but I don't sit there every day and vision cast. That's something totally different. Um, and so I'm, I think I want to try doing that a little bit more this year, especially as it's now the start of the new year. What about you? What are your key takeaways from the show and what are you going to do? Imagine if you knew exactly what you should do to reach financial freedom. As if someone showed you your yellow brick road to your personal financial emerald city. No wasted time, no second guessing, no bad investments, and especially no winged monkeys. Just confidence and clarity as you race towards financial freedom. Well, my name is Rob Cook. I'm a CFP and a CPA, and I've dedicated the last 10 years of my life to the understanding of wealth creation and personal finances, and that's exactly what I've created for you. And the best part is, is that I'm giving it away for free. That's right, for free. It's what I like to call the Financial Freedom Pathfinder. Using a simple quiz, I can tell you exactly which of the 25 unique paths to financial freedom is best suited to you and your unique desires, talents, and lifestyle. And in all in less than 15 questions. Not only that, but as a bonus for completing the quiz, I'll also give you your Financial Freedom Path Education Cheat Sheet, a sheet that contains all the educational resources specific to your individual path necessary to put you on the fast track to financial freedom. And if that wasn't enough, I'll also include my Financial Freedom Foundation Guide. That is a complete list of the apps and software that I personally use to track all of my own family finances so you can ensure that your family stays on track towards financial freedom. All you need to do is visit www.contenderswanted.com slash freedom and enter your email address to get access to the quiz. Once you complete the quiz, I'll send you your personalized bonuses. So once again, that's www.contenderswanted.com slash freedom and enter your email to get access to the quiz. Stop wasting your precious time, money, and energy on paths that won't get you to your goal of financial freedom. And instead, get all the clarity, confidence, and tools you need to reach your goals with a Financial Freedom Pathfinder. All right. Thank you for joining us today. If you haven't done so already, please remember to subscribe and tell a friend about the show. If you want to make sure you never miss an episode, be sure to visit our website at contenderswanted.com to sign up for our email newsletter. As always, a list of the resources and links we discussed, as well as a recap of the show and more about our guests can be found in the show notes. Please feel free to shoot me an email at rob at contenderswanted.com if you'd like to suggest a guest for the show or just to contact me. I'm always open to any feedback you might have and would love to hear how the show is helping you. So once again, my email is rob at contenderswanted.com. Thank you for listening. And remember, success leaves clues and contenders are always wanted. <laughs>